Hello, hello, friends, and welcome back to Up the Essence with Liz. I am so excited to be back for the kickoff of season two. It has been a good little break for me. I got to do some resting and digesting and kind of getting some systems in order so that I don't experience pod fade. I definitely want to be consistent with the podcast and have everything set up on the back end so that I'm not, you know, stressed out and down to the wire procrastinating on releasing and doing everything I need to do for getting these episodes out. So also, if you'd like to connect, I do have an Instagram page now for the podcast at of the essence with Liz. You can reach out to me there or on Gmail at of the essence with Liz at gmail.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe and leave a review for the podcast. If you feel so inclined, I would be super grateful. So I'm excited to be back and I have a really fun first episode for you all. I interviewed Ashley Reimer, who is a shamanic wound coach, massage therapist, passionate yoni steamer, embodiment and spiritual journey guide. She writes about spiritual practices, wellness and mysticism in her blog, The Womb Space. Ashley works with people to elevate their wellness and connection to the divine and foster deep self-worth rooted in their own power. I loved this conversation. We got into a lot of different topics, including womb health, yoni steaming, self-pleasure, earthing, spiritual practices, and so much more. So again, I think you're going to love this conversation, whether you have a womb or not. I would love to hear your thoughts about this episode. Tell me your favorite part of this episode, your biggest takeaway on my most recent post at of the Essence with Liz on Instagram. I love hearing from you and getting your feedback. And I am going to be choosing one lucky listener to come on the podcast. You can email me your story on anything from spirituality to dating. Once you leave a review on Apple Podcasts, screenshot that to me and then email me your story at of the essence with Liz at gmail.com. And then you will be entered to win a interview on the podcast. So that's super exciting. And I can't wait to connect with all of you and hear what you're resonating with. So Without further ado, let's get right into the episode. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited. Today we have Ashley Reimer with us. Is that the correct pronunciation? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> Welcome, Ashley. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Happy to be chatting with you. Yeah, I'm so happy to have you. And um, yeah, we actually connected on the Holisticism Hub. So grateful to that hub for bringing us together. Could you just give like a quick little intro of yourself? Yeah, for sure. Um, well, I'm a shamanic womb coach, which is a lot, a lot probably different than it actually sounds. So it's based in, in shamanic medicine and goes up through womb healing and womb activation and learning to trust your inner wisdom and your power. That's based off of the connection that we all have to our lineage and our ancestors and our power as women. So that's one aspect of what I do. And the other side is a yoni steam practitioner. 
And I also have a spirituality and wellness blog, which I chat about different topics that interest me. Sometimes it's a little bit of mysticism. Sometimes it's the occult. Sometimes it's just health and wellness, whatever is kind of intriguing me at the time. And I'm also a massage therapist. So those are all my things. (laughs) Amazing. Sounds like you have a lot going on. I love it. And when you say you do the yoni steaming, do you just, do you provide the herbs and kind of like facilitate that? Or do you actually host like an experience or one-on-one where you're offering that to people? Yeah. So the way that I do it right now is like an online consultation. And then I will create a specific herbal blend for that person based off of what they're experiencing and what they want to do with the yoni steaming. And then send that to them with instructions and kind of the protocol and then do a check-in afterwards to see how that went and what needs to be adjusted or changed. I haven't done any in-person things yet just with, I don't want to bring up the COVID word, but like (laughs) with everything that happened with that. But I would definitely love to do that when women steam together. It's it's a really beautiful practice. But for now, it's it's one-on-one. And... I love making the herbal blends. It's one of my favorite things to do. I love working with herbs and finding the right herbs for the right piece. And there's such a spiritual component as well that I really, I'm really, really drawn to. That's beautiful. Yeah, I've been drawn to herbalism a lot lately as well. And it's interesting how you can even just read about an herb and be like, wow, this herb is really calling to me. And then You might be reading about certain ailments, you know, where there's various herbs and one of them in particular might be really calling to you. And it's interesting to like tune into your intuition and really trust that, you know, that herb might be the best spiritual fit. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's, that's really interesting. So what called you initially to womb healing? Yeah. So I, I mean, I didn't really know that much about it. I think like a lot of women, I always just assumed that anything related to the womb was just about fertility and pregnancy and motherhood. And so I always stayed far away from it because that wasn't where I was, wasn't where I was drawn to. That wasn't my path. And I was going through, I think, a pretty strong spiritual awakening where I was really feeling like things were shifting for me. I was in a really strong place of power within myself, with my sexuality, my confidence. I was feeling so, so good. And then all of a sudden, I started getting all of these symptoms that were really confusing to me and I just didn't understand. So it was issues with my menstrual cycle and a lot of pain and a lot of cramping and heavy bleeding and like pain during sex. I'm getting super personal now, (laughs) telling you all the things. And it just didn't make any sense to me. I was in really good health and pretty much feeling the strongest and the best I've ever felt my entire life. And so when this happened, all of a sudden, it was just like, (laughs) like a huge slap in the face. I did not understand what was happening. Started going to the doctor, getting a lot of tests, MRIs, all these scans, all these different things. And they told me that I have endometriosis, which completely shocked me because, as I said, I was in a place where I, no indication to me that there was anything going on and it just started very suddenly. And so that led me down a path where I needed to know what was going on. I needed to understand how this happened. And 
I don't know. I mean, I think for some people when you're you're kind of on that spiritual path and you're feeling really good and something big happens, you really start to question like, what did I do wrong? Or like, how did this happen to me? How could this happen when I was doing everything I was supposed to be doing, you know? And so I really went through a huge, basically crisis of faith. And I was really depressed and just really questioning everything. And it's kind of hard to explain in a sense because it might not sound like that big of a deal. It's endometriosis is quite common and it's not like it's fatal or anything like that. But it just made me question my path and what I had been doing. And so then I was looking for alternative ways of healing that because there wasn't really anything that the doctors could do to fix it. It's pretty much just painkillers or surgery and that's it. And I couldn't accept that. So I had to find out what was going on with my body. And that led me into this path where I found this woman named Cheryl Dawn, who does kind of like womb work and massage and some other kind of alternative therapies about activating and healing the womb, which then led me into the shamanic womb coaching that they were doing. And it was like it just came at the most perfect time and I jumped right into it. And it completely changed the course of my life, really. it's I don't know if I can really explain the depth of how much impact it had on me, but it did change the complete course of my life. Wow, that's beautiful. So did this woman kind of connect you with like womb healing for the first time and and give you that healing for the endometriosis that you had been looking for? Like what was your journey like with this mm -hmm. woman? What she really did is, so I spent a lot of time talking to her about different paths of what to do. A big part of what I was going through was kind of questioning what I was meant to do and trying to find what is my path and my purpose in this life. So I spent a lot of time talking to her about different paths. And so she didn't really do any healing with me. But what she did was talk to me about the alternatives that were out there in the world because I had been kind of living in this place where I didn't think that you could live your spiritual life and have that be your job and have that be who you were all at the same time. Like I thought you had to kind of have everything separate in order to make your life work. So for her, it was more just talking to me about like, yes, there are people who do this kind of work and that is their job, but it's also their life and they don't have the two of them separate. And so she encouraged me to take the womb coaching certification that they were putting on. And that's where a lot of the healing really started for me because you go really, really deep into the layers where it's part of it is your personal experiences, your personal traumas, and then what society has kind of placed on us and then going deeper into your family and your lineage and your ancestral wounds and then the wounds of kind of the collective of womanhood and all of that. And so that whole experience over, I think we were doing it for six months, was where a lot of the healing really happened for me. Well, thank you for sharing that. I appreciate it. And yeah, I had a similar kind of health crisis slash personal crisis when I got diagnosed with Hashimoto's and I just felt like, you know, my body was attacking itself and why should I 
have faith in spirit and, you know, why should I do all these things if my body is just attacking itself? And so it is kind of hard to pull yourself out of at a certain point. I mean, I, you mentioned you weren't going through any physical symptoms. I actually was going through a lot, but yeah, like spiritually, it sounds like we had a very similar struggle there. And it's kind of like we had to both find something to connect to and reconnect to our own faith in that, Mm -hmm. you know, the body does have this innate wisdom and that the body does want to heal And that there just might be some sort of imbalance going on and getting to the bottom of that. So, yeah, that's that's really powerful. I feel you. That's it is like you said, that moment of uh, your body is is kind of betraying you in a sense. Right. And that's so difficult to work through. One thing that I really, really learned throughout it, though, is that I actually feel like it happened because I was in a place where I could handle it and deal with it. And I mean, there's a lot of different belief systems, but if we if we went a little bit deeper into kind of what something like endometriosis or polycystic ovarian syndrome, those types of things mean, it's it's because there are dysfunctions in the womb and in the energetic womb. And I feel like maybe I don't know how you feel, but when it when it all came up for me, I think it came because now it was time for me to start to look at it and deal with it. I mean, like, it's not that it came out of nowhere. The underlying, I guess, symptoms were always there. I just wasn't aware of them, right? And they became known when I was ready to become aware of them. Mm-hmm. But if you had asked, if you had asked me about that perspective at the time, like, I definitely wouldn't have felt that way at the time. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I think it was kind of like a rude awakening. (laughs) But it was it was very necessary. And going back to what you said about surgery or painkillers. Yeah. And then for me, they were like, yeah, it's it's basically medication for life. And Mm -hmm. I was like, well, I'm not going to accept that. You know, I'm going to dig deeper. I'm going to find some food based solutions, some, you know, see a naturopath and figure out what I can do differently. And yeah, so that was kind of the first step of me regaining like this body sovereignty. And yeah, I would love to chat a little bit further about that. It's like, I feel, you know, as children, we are so in tune with our body and our emotions and so free and open. And as we grow up and we become adolescents, we get all this conditioning and you know we start conforming to to be cool or to be accepted and can you talk about you know body sovereignty and I mean I don't know if if you feel the same way as as I do that like you had to kind of regain your body sovereignty again but can you talk a little bit about like the process of that and reclaiming that yeah 100% I definitely did feel that and I think you said it so perfectly when we're children we're a lot more in tune and we're a lot more accepting of whatever is and then as we grow there are so many things that play into us beginning to doubt and question and criticize and judge and I think sometimes we don't really realize how damaging that actually is it's it's almost like if you're not insecure then you're not normal because insecurity is just so normal. But I I just think that is 
that's crap. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just going to say it, right? It's not okay and it's not normal. Um, but it's also not an easy path or a road to, to go down to build self-worth and to build sovereignty over your body is not easy. Well, a big one, I think, for me was taking that time to really say, no, I'm not going to just accept that this is what I have now and there's nothing I can do but take painkillers and I'm like damaged now or sick and that's it. I, I was really thinking I need to do something about this and I have more control over how I feel than the world is telling me I do. And that was a big thing for me was to really see like the there's some power here for me. There's an opportunity here for me to learn about my body, to take some time to learn what it needs. How have I been ignoring my body and what it needs and what it wants or doesn't want? All the times we kind of give in to things that we don't like or that don't feel good because we don't want to upset or hurt another person, right? Or be disliked. Those are Those are some of the moments that for me, are, are opportunities for change when you sit into yourself and you realize this isn't working for me or I don't like this or I don't want this. And then actually speaking it and saying no to something is one of those ways that I've tried to rebuild my self-worth and my sovereignty with myself. And it's not really an easy thing to do. I think we're really taught to be accommodating and nice and you know help other people which are all great qualities and good things to have but all the times we do things that we don't like especially with our bodies every time we do that we're stripping away a little bit of our sovereignty and so in those moments saying no to something or adjusting it or just speaking it when it's uncomfortable or walking away from it whatever it is builds up that sovereignty and that's that's been a big one for me yeah that kind of reminds me of the topic of sexual trauma too and the womb holds a lot of wisdom and yeah. you know over the years as women many of us go through some sort of sexual trauma and other ways i mean of course seeing a professional would be advisable but you know if if someone is already seeing one or maybe can't afford to see one other ways that we can start to work through sexual trauma on our own yeah yeah i think one thing for sure is making sure you do have somebody to talk to so that you're not alone if things become really dark or difficult so i just want to you know kind of preface that point but I've done a lot of sexual healing work on my own. And what I found for myself, at least, that worked quite well was getting really comfortable with my own pleasure and getting comfortable with the sensations that I'm feeling. So one of the things that a person can do is, and it doesn't even have to be self-pleasuring, to the point that you orgasm like that doesn't have to be the point though when you're self-pleasuring and you orgasm that is very healing because orgasms have a lot of healing energy in them taking that time to actually get comfortable to actually touch your body the way that in your in your ideal situation with your ideal lover 
How would that person touch you? How would that person treat your body? That's what you can do for yourself because you don't have to have another person do that for you. I think a lot of the sexual healing comes from recognizing that you are your own lover. You are your own best friend. You are your own soulmate. So how do you want to be touched? How do you want to be treated? How do you want to be honored? And that's a practice that I use. And so taking that time, seeing what feels good, and then also seeing what doesn't feel good. Or when you touch a certain spot in your body, uh, does something come up? Is there a, a negative memory or emotion or sensation? And then actually giving some recognition and acknowledgement to that rather than just moving on or shutting it down or pushing through it. So we, what you said about our wombs holding, they do very much so. And so anything in our womb, around our womb, parts of our body that are sensitive, they hold the imprints of our experiences. And so if you're touching yourself and something comes up, that's a chance for you to have some healing for yourself, to take a moment to recognize what it is. And that doesn't mean that you're falling into the depths of it and, you know, spiraling down into some kind of darkness, but just giving a moment to actually acknowledge it and validate it and recognize that it's there. And then just sending some forgiveness, whether that's forgiveness for yourself, forgiveness to another person, forgiveness to the experience that it's attached to, whatever it is, but just sending some loving forgiveness to it so that it knows it's valid. It had a right to be there and ignoring it or suppressing it is going to just push it deeper and do more damage. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. I love that. And also just kind of the reminder of like slowing down while we are, you know, getting into our own pleasure practice. And for me, at least, like I really enjoy sensual touch. So I'll just, you know, touch all over my body, let's say, and like put coconut oil on and just take my time rather than be like, okay, I really just need to bang it out right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, like, you know, I'm sure there's a time and a place for that too. Have you heard of the practice of peaking? No. So I've done some work around this and it's basically touching your clit in like various ways. And so basically you'll start and you'll kind of go around like a clock. So you'll start at like, you know, 12 o'clock and like work your way around. Yeah. And it's kind of like breathing into the sensation and like, you know, obviously in some areas it feels really good. And then maybe in some areas it could bring up an intense emotion like, you know, sadness or anger or grief. And so it, it kind of goes back to what you were saying about feeling whatever it is and allowing it to be there and moving through the resistance of wanting to just move on or get away from that. Yeah. And that can be a really good release too. It's not even with the intention of trying to climax. It's just trying to like see what comes up and, and move through whatever does come up. Yeah, that actually sounds a little bit like dearmoring. Yeah, yeah, I think it is a similar practice. People might have different names for it. Yeah, there's a lot of names. See, and that's that's such a beautiful practice to do. And if somebody is uncomfortable with touching themselves, it might be a very difficult practice. But that just 
if it's difficult for somebody, I feel like that just shows you how much you really need it to take that time with yourself. And it's so powerful. I feel like it's one of the most powerful healing experiences you can really, really have. And it's also one of the most powerful ways you can honor yourself. I love that so much. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it's interesting. I mean, everyone should self-pleasure. Everyone should touch themselves. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know why there's shame around it. You know, I think it's gotten a lot better. But yeah, I think, you know, past generations have definitely like been shameful about this idea of self-pleasure. But I think it's, you know, it's definitely back. So <laughs> grateful for that. I really hope so. Yeah. It's the, the thing is, it's it's probably one of the best things that you can do for yourself. You know, if you have like a low self-worth, low self-esteem, lack of confidence in yourself, or you have like a lack of, of sensation and pleasure, or you just have like a disconnection with your sexuality, you need to self-pleasure. And that doesn't mean to climax. If that's not where you want to go, that's okay. And you don't need to force it to that point, but just getting used to being comfortable, touching your body, slowing down, honoring it and honoring whatever sensations are coming up for you at any given time. Mm -hmm. I love that. Do you have any tips for sexual wellness in general? Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> we're going to go back to the self-pleasuring again, I guess. <laughs> so one of the things that you can do, which is also really beautiful, is you don't really have to even be that familiar with chakras, but we have a chakra in, in our yoni. And so when you're self-pleasuring, you can work on trying to sense the energy of that chakra and you can sense how it's building. It might feel warm or it might feel tingly or it might feel crampy or it might feel whatever it feels and getting used to feeling that and seeing if you can build it and pull it up deeper into your stomach towards your belly button. And so it's kind of, it's a woo practice that we use sometimes to activate your womb. That practice does a lot to stir the energy in your lower chakras. And your lower chakras are a place where you hold your sensuality and your sexuality and your security and also your creativity. And so if you're stirring that energy up, you're going to feel a lot more sensation, a lot more pleasure, and a lot more kind of fire or spark. So that's one of one of the things that I like to talk about. And another one is also going back to yoni steaming. Yoni steaming is amazing for sexual health and wellness because it brings so much circulation to, to the pelvic system. It does a lot of good for people that are tight or really crampy or kind of like holding a lot of tension in their womb. And then it also just acts as a natural like lubricant. And because of all the circulation that it builds, it's a very common sort of effect of yoni steaming that you'll be sort of a little bit turned on or maybe a little bit, I'm just going to say it, you're going to be a little bit wet because it's just a natural process of it. That's what yoni steaming does. And in some cultures, they do actually use it to prepare for sex or after sex, or even just to kind of maintain the wellness of, of the yoni because it helps to keep everything moist and 
clear and circulating nice. That's really cool. I know yoni steaming is like an ancient practice, but can you chat mm-hmm. like a little bit about its origins and what type of person in particular would really benefit from it? I know probably all women would, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like all women. So the thing is the origins, it's existed in cultures all over the world for centuries. And it was and it still is practiced in a lot of indigenous cultures. But it's it's been practiced everywhere. They find it in, in Greek mythology. You can find it in Indonesia. You can find it in North America. It's literally all over the world. And there are some differences in how it's done. Some do it like a dry steam where it's with just kind of the, the smoke of the herbs. And then a lot of cultures use it kind of with the wet steam. So boiling the herbs and then that warm steam is used. And in a lot of places, it's used to assist with clearing the womb after birth or after some kind of trauma or a miscarriage or something like that. But as I said before, it's also used in a lot of cultures to prepare for sex or after sex or to kind of encourage the fertility of the womb if they're trying to get pregnant. So there's a lot of different reasons for it. And then there are a lot of spiritual uses because it helps to clear out some of the stagnant or stuck energy in the womb. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the one of the other ways that I've used it for for sexual healing to kind of help release the the imprints of experiences, past lovers, and difficult kind of situations that you might have experienced as well. Can you speak to, I know there's certain people who claim that this is controversial and that, you know, women should not be doing this for any reason. What would you say to those people? Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's it's interesting that anything that is really about a woman's sovereignty over her own body is always <laughs> questioned as some kind of woo-woo fake practice, which... I think we should always be kind of questioning where that criticism is coming from, first of all. But there are contraindications like anything, right? Not not everything works for everyone all of the time. So when you're steaming, it's not advisable to do it if you're pregnant. And, you know, I think that's for obvious reasons. You wouldn't do it if you had a recent surgery to somewhere in your pelvic system because you're healing from a surgery. So that needs to be fully healed first. And you don't steam while you're actively bleeding because it can, because of the circulation and the way that it opens up the vessels, it could just cause you to bleed more, which you probably don't want to do. So there are some reasons where you don't want to do it and you always want to do it safely because it is hot steam. So I know that a lot of the criticism comes from that, like you're going to burn yourself. You're only going to burn yourself if you're not doing it correctly and and you're not... uh, testing the water so to speak to make sure that it's comfortable for you so I feel like some of it is just common sense safety practices like you wouldn't get into a scalding hot bath if it's going to burn your skin right so you're not going to (laughs) sit naked over a hot steam if it's going to scald you it's that same principle so just using some of those those common sense practices to make sure that the the steam is the right temperature for you that it feels comfortable And if it's too hot, you can always just move and get off or you can give yourself a little bit more distance and you can take a break. There are a lot of different ways that you can steam. I don't know 
if we want to get into that, but you can just kneel over it or you can get a steam stool, which gives you a little bit more distance. As long as you, you know, you have those basic contraindications in mind, it is such a safe practice. It's, it's the same principle as going into a sauna where that steam is there to help you detox, right? And, and that's where I just come back to just take a moment, plan it out, learn the facts, do some research online. There's tons of research online, tons of free guides online about how to steam properly or work with the steam practitioner. There are hundreds of them in North America alone. You can use the Steamy Chick practitioner database actually to to find like a qualified practitioner if you want to and then they can go through and teach you how to do the steaming uh protocol completely but yeah i think the criticism really just comes from a lack of knowledge and a fear that if women are taking their their health into their own hands that you know it's threatening the status quo mhm Definitely. I actually was going to ask if you had a stool or something, because I have done it over <laughs> like a bowl with a towel, but it was yeah. kind of an awkward situation. <laughs> yeah, I do have a stool, but you know what? I actually prefer doing like child's pose over it because it becomes a deeper practice when you can have your heart towards the ground and really sink into it. And it could be uncomfortable for somebody if like they have problems with their knees or their hips, but there are other ways that you can do it. You can like prop a chair up and I, I don't know if we want to get into all the different ways to do it, but yeah, the steaming stools are, you can buy them all over the internet. So, you know, don't fear that they're really inaccessible and they can help as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we don't need to get into the nitty gritty, but I will say that I have Yoni steamed a few times and I feel like it really does move the energy, not only like physically in the womb space, but also emotionally, spiritually. And it was really profound for me. And how often would you Yoni steam or do you Yoni steam? Yeah, I'm really happy to hear that you've had that experience. That's that's wonderful. So yeah, no, I Yoni steam a couple times a month. It's really, really great to steam a couple of days before you get your period because that will just help to, to really move that blood and make sure you're getting any of the old stagnant blood out of your womb. And also it will help reduce the cramping. So if you get a lot of cramping during your period, steaming before you get it can really, really help with that. Mm -hmm. And then also steaming um, a day or two after can help to just make sure that everything was cleared out properly. This kind of gets into sort of, I think you mentioned earlier, talking kind of about womb care or, or like menstrual care kind of going back to also the body sovereignty that our our menstrual cycles are a powerful powerful cleanse for us and it's not just a physical cleanse obviously it it definitely is that but it's also a spiritual and energetic cleanse for us and so anything we can do to kind of support that and honor that time is really beautiful and also helps a lot with any kind of womb healing. Yoni steaming is beautiful for doing that and helping that cycle really work in all the different ways that it's meant to. I might have to uh, get a custom herbal blend from you after that. <laughs> yeah, I would love that. I love making the blends. I also will steam anytime I'm going through something really difficult. If I had a bad day, 
um, or something happened and I'm really upset, I will Yoni Steam one because it's extremely relaxing. And two, because that will help me move that energy out so that I'm not just holding it in my body and and keeping that. It's beautiful for just helping you, like you said, move that energy out. You don't need to hold on to it. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's a beautiful ritual, which brings me to a question more about like spiritual practices. Can you share two or three spiritual practices that are part of your routine? Yeah. One that I use quite often is just something super basic, and that's just connecting with the earth. I do this all the time, multiple times a week, and I'll just go outside or even just sit on the ground and just connect and ground into the earth. And this is really, really important and helpful for me because it it reminds me of how I'm not alone, that I'm always connected to the earth. And it, it doesn't have to be an elaborate thing. It can just be grounding yourself, imagining those roots going down into the earth and then that energy flowing back through. That's something that I use a lot. And the I keep talking about yoni steaming. Clearly, I love talking about it, but that's one of my other spiritual practices that I use. I'll often make a little bit of a ritual out of it. So I'll get my oracle cards out and I'll spread them out. I'll smudge myself and I'll maybe put on some music and I'll just create like a really ritual space for myself. And then as I'm steaming, I'll pull a card and I'll kind of reflect or journal on something. So that's one of the other practices. And then another one that I do is I have an altar in my home. And that's a place that I I put things that I want to honor both myself and my journey, but also my female ancestors as well. So I'll place flowers or crystals or plants or things like that for them. And then also tokens for myself to kind of remind or support where I'm at and where I'm going and the gratitude that I have for my journey as well. That's beautiful. What do you have on your altar right now? Right now I have a painting that I did and I have some mugwort, which is a herb that I love working with. And I have, I don't exactly know what it's called. It's kind of one of those crystal pyramids, but when you hit it, it creates the sound uh, like like a sound bowl or like a singing bowl, but it's a crystal pyramid and candles and some flower petals. That's what I have now. Nice. I love yeah, that yeah. idea. I need to find a space to create an altar in my apartment. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it can be small. It, it doesn't have to be big. I have a I have a couple of small ones as well. And I think they're they're nice to kind of show some devotion for whatever it is you want to show devotion for. Yeah, definitely. It's kind of like bringing your intention into the physical Mm -hmm. um, and like the first step to taking action. At least that's how my mind thinks of it. What about you? What, What are some spiritual practices you use? I personally love like my skincare routine. So that's a big spiritual practice for me. Like whether it is gua sha is something that I love doing and that's very like relaxing for me and ice rolling, like dry brushing, things like that. I love to incorporate and it's it's kind of like I know it's good physically, but it's also good for me spiritually and emotionally as well. I am very on and off right now with my meditation practice. I need to get back into it. But I do love 
earthing as well. Like you said, I find it hard right now because I'm like living in an apartment, but I do love to just literally feel my feet on the ground and ideally barefoot and connect with the elements. Like right now we're in fall. So I love to connect with the wind, but any, any of the elements, you know, connecting to the sun, connecting to the rustle of the leaves or the sound of rain and just like getting quiet with that. I love to do that. Recently, I've just been trying to sit down with my ancestors, which has been a new thing for me, but kind of just opening up myself to like any messages or insights from my ancestors. So that's something that I've been playing with as well. That's beautiful. That's so beautiful. You know, and what's beautiful about all of these is is they're simple, right? They they don't require you to buy anything expensive or fancy or do anything extreme. They're just simple practices that honor where you're at and show gratitude for for simple things like the the wind and the air or your ancestors or whatever it may be. That's beautiful. Definitely, and I think it's almost like disconnecting from the constant chatter in the mind which I've been feeling a lot recently you know kind of like oh I have all these thoughts oh I need this I need that and then kind of realizing that it's just mental chatter and not necessarily associating with all of that and coming back to the basics coming back to the body or the element and it's a practice for sure but I think that that really helps me that's beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah. And I was curious if uh, I didn't ask you this before when we were talking about cycles, but um, do you practice cycle tracking oh, or do you like coordinate your schedule with your cycle? Yeah. Yeah. So that's a big component of the the womb work and also womb healing. I don't, I track my cycle in an app, though I can always tell when it's coming. So if you're in tune with your body and you kind of recognize some of the signs, it's pretty easy to tell when it's on its way. But what I've done and what has made a big difference in my life, though it's not always easy, is when I'm menstruating, I actually do take it as a time that I need to honor my body. And so if that means saying no to people in regards to going out and and making a lot of plans, then that's what I do. And I also take a lot of time to rest. I I used to, I think like a lot of women feel like I need to just push through it. And, it, you know, I always think of those ridiculous like tampon commercials where they're doing sports and <laughs> just being all wild and crazy when they're on their period. And that's great. Like if you have, if that's the energy you have and that's what you want to do, that's fine. But I would always be exhausted completely exhausted and all I want to do is is like sleep and kind of nest but I would beat myself up about it and be like wow why can't I just uh, you know do that exercise like I need to or like why do why do I want to sleep so much like you know it was sort of like why am I so weak why is this a big deal and that mindset was was so damaging and and so painful and so hurtful in so many different ways and throughout my kind of journey into the womb, I really started to see how much that was hurting me and how I needed to shift that. And so now when I'm 
when I'm menstruating, I take the time to rest. If I want to have a nap or I want to like nest in my house with a water bottle and all the teas and all the warm drinks and my cats and not be social, that is what I'm going to do because that is what my body wants me to do right now. And that's, it seems like a simple lesson, but it's such a big lesson in regards to, again, us ignoring our bodies and what our bodies are telling us all the time, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's like a a big, big thing for me in, in regards to cycles and do I plan my life around my cycle? To a degree, I do. And I take this time as this for me, it's it's not an inconvenience. It's not annoying. It's it's not a bane on my existence. It's actually a gift. It's a time when my dreams are so vivid and so interesting. So I like to do some dream work during my, my menstruation. And it's a beautiful time of intuition and release. And that's an opportunity that any woman who's menstruating has. So yeah, it's it's an important time and I really try to see it as a blessing rather than some kind of inconvenience in my life. Yeah, I think I used to, for sure. I mean, our culture tells us to keep going, going, going. Like, you know, we don't get time off for that time of month, even though I feel like we should. Um, yeah. <laughs> and even like shaming, you know, I've shamed myself so much in the past for wanting a nap in the middle of the day. Like, why should I, why should I be able to nap in the middle of the day? Everyone else is working. So I'm grateful that I'm now at the point where I'm like, you know what, I'm going to take at least the first day of my cycle and just do whatever I want. If that means taking the entire day off, I will. Yeah. And, and not feeling like guilty or embarrassed about it. It's the most normal thing for us, but it's become like the least accepted thing about our womanhood I feel like and it's ridiculous it's nothing to be ashamed of it's it's really like I do see it now it is a gift that we have and if we accept it and honor that there's a lot of potential in that and so I know it's hard life life goes on we're not gonna get time off nobody cares they want us to just continue on uh if you can make like small little adjustments that's that's better than nothing right Mm -hmm. absolutely well this has been so amazing i'm so grateful for you coming on and for this conversation and i would love for you to share if you're promoting anything or how people can get in touch with you and work with you yeah for sure i have a couple more dream sharing circles this year so i'm doing these dream sharing circles online to learn about dream interpretation and the next two are actually all about herbs that assist with dream work so i've got one of those the last one for the year is going to be november 21st so if anybody is interested you can go on my website which is www.divineelevation.ca and there's an event page where you can find the link and that's that's kind of the big one I also have a half day workshop that I'm doing with another womb coach so that's about womb healing and womb activation that's also on my events page and I'm always open for yoni steaming consultations and uh, shamanic womb work so those are always available as well. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Ashley. It was great to connect with you. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I love these conversations. <laughs> yeah, me too. This was so fun. Yep. 
And I'm going to hit you up about the yoni herbs for sure. Yeah, that sounds awesome. <laughs> okay, bye everyone. I hope you loved this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. I learned so much and I really felt the call to get a custom herbal blend from her, which I have not done yet, but I am planning on doing. So I will let you all know how that goes. And yeah, let me know what your favorite part of this episode was. You can hit me up on Instagram at of the essence with Liz. Send me a DM or comment on my most recent post with your favorite part of the episode. And if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast and would be so appreciative if you left a review as well on Apple Podcasts. I love you all so much. Thank you for listening and we'll talk to you next time.